Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. When a shadow held is defeated, their body reverts to how it is, air quotes, unperfected. Uh-huh. I think that it would make sense for Erdo to have once saved my life, a debt that I'm eager to repay. How does that reflect on you? Right. That the people who you've chosen have all fallen, either fallen to or fallen by the shadow. Right, exactly. Um, Do I have bad taste? What does that mean about me? Am I, am I so flawed? Do you think that your troops are up to a stint in the mountains, Erdo? It is this thing where she is like, if I did not have to stick to these stupid regulations, like, Teddy absolutely will respect authority on the appropriate conditions. What she does not respect is what she views as as weakness, as she views like the shadow is powerful and we are losing to them, or at least we have been. We're only barely starting to turn things around a bit and we would do a lot better to imitate them a lot more than we currently are. You see Pasak uh, in front of you, already half submerged in the pool. The woman, she is hovering just above the water, leading Pasak very willingly, probably to their death. I like to think visually that as you reach Pasak, as you touch them, they spin around and you just see like pitch black eyes. Look at me. She's not real. Pasak's eyes uncloud. I found the right way. Teddy admires most of the shadow except for the medium. She finds them annoying. It's probably the first time we have seen her actually smile because she knows she's going to get a chance to kill one of these things. You stab your blade forward and catch it underneath the crown of her brow and rip it upwards and pull the steel circlet right from her. Erdo, you stab your spear up and this medium knows that her time is over. The garment that this medium is wearing, it flakes off uh, of her and attaches itself to your armor. Those bits of your armor, they crack and separate from the rest of it into the water and you see the armor take fuller form, rising up out of the water, climbing onto the land to intercept the Roishan, are those former comrades who that armor belonged to. And one of them, that first comrade who you first took from, what was their name? Wreath. Wreath's eyes are completely dark, a shadowy blade in her hand. Erdo slips into a state of shock, and this winds up deflecting the blade right into her gut, the side of her gut. It's bad. actually have something that I actually think can bring Pasak into this a little bit more. Uh, oh, give them tell something. me. Yes. Because um, this is this is where Teddy's mind is going. I think I think Teddy sees this happen shortly after she does the thing. And she sees that Erdo's in trouble. And I think Pasak is the closest by. And she's... Um, we've established that Teddy was the one of the ones, you know, managing a lot of... Probably who got the armor from a lot of these people and recognizes Yeah. That. I don't... And... I don't think she's seen this happen before. This is probably a little novel, I imagine, the way you're describing it. Yes. But I do think in her very ruthless mindset, she's going to shout to Pasak, she has a weak shoulder, hit it on the left. 
because she's worked on this body and she knows what the things that are wrong with it are. Pasak swings their fancy sword. Oh, no, I love this. So after Pasak and Fee had gotten back to the lip of this this little underground lake, but both of them had caught their breath and and recovered a bit as this fighting had continued. I think, yeah, Pasak, led by a little bit of feelings of guilt oh, uh, for sure. in this moment, you saw Erdo go to engage with this enemy. And as that armor was ripped off, I think your body just like moved on its own. Uh, and you went to go and do your part, whatever that was. It is your sword that swings down and breaks right through that weak shoulder on wreath that, uh, of course, Teddy knew about. And you're the one who ends this unlife for them. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, just wow. out of curiosity, does Pasak look back at Teddy upon doing this or make any type of eye contact? Just to see how uh, it's okay if you don't. I'm just curious. I, I don't think Pasak would. I think Pasak would look at Erdo to make sure that she's okay. Okay. Because, because I mean, you know, uh, Pasak is, one, going to take the order from Teddy because, one, it's a good idea. Two, you are above me. But but three, Pasak is eager to repay the debt of Erdo saving uh, their life. <laughs> now twice. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that was clearly a very traumatic thing that just happened. Yes. So I think that I think that uh, Pasak is way more concerned about very just fair. like, how's Erdo doing? Yeah. <laughs> I want to cycle over to the situation here with uh, Roshan. Um, a good question for Erdo. Uh, what is the density of of pieces from other armor? If, if you've lost probably half your breastplate and like an entire pauldron and connected uh, like arm pieces... If it's going to torso, then it's probably like eight. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think the Roshan are outnumbered and look over to Fee who goes to assist them. Yeah. Um, I think as like the, the front two Roshan are switching from bows to their blades, I, I imagine four or more of these shadow held ideations yeah. uh, <laughs> have clambered out of out of the water already and and I think they are in deep. Uh, I think one of them has already fallen wounded. How does Fee interact with the situation? Did we establish that there were some crystals in this? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. It, it's going to take a little bit of work, and this is probably what she did while Pasak was waiting out to help Erdo. She's going to run over and grab a cluster of those crystals and throw them at the first wave of these shadow held. And then she's got her spear mm -hmm. um, with the, the trinkets on it and the charms. And she's going to use that to put some space and potentially hit the first wave of them to move them back from the Roishan. Were you just throwing the crystals to, like, knock some of them back? Or do, are these crystals special in some way? You would know. I think that they are special. I think that they are connected to vixen things and therefore to to some like anti-shadow stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna leave it up to you the like the potency of them or anything like that. Yeah, I think you throw these crystals there on the ground in front of that first wave and it, it shatters um, and splits into tiny, you know, almost dust little specks of these crystal across the ground there. And as these shadowy figments uh, step onto it. I think that like portion of their form bristles and ruptures a bit, almost like uh, uh, like salt on a snail. Yeah, like salt on a snail. 
and while not completely impeded, it absolutely slows them down and puts a little bit more time for you to engage and for the Roshan to recover and get their own footing back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a bloody fight, and one of the Roshan is wounded in the course of it, but I think the five of you together rally and eliminate these, these figments. And also, as the last one meets you, given that the one who who cast this sorcery is now gone, I think its its form is weakening the longer the fight drug on, um, as this this spell no longer had any root to it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you finish them off, and the the bottom of this well is quiet once again. I think for the last one, uh, instead of directly killing or like spearing it since it's weakening anyway she essentially like uses the butt of her spear to push it back into the water and then like steps on it to keep it keep it under wow yeah (laughs) it 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 has no need to breathe but you hold it there until its body dissolves goodness (sighs) and fee there's one more thing that you notice erdo as you come out of the water since they were practically impaled down on your spear, you inevitably like drag the body of the medium out with you. And as you lay it there on the on the smooth shoreline of this underground lake, the body splayed there staring upwards, uh, of course, throat quite bloody from, from the blow and, and stomach as well. Um, in the way that you've seen before, with those who have been dominated and transformed by the shadow... Uh, Once their vitality gives out, once they are no longer of use to the shadow, they revert to what was left of who they were before. Yeah. Um, And you see with both of these mediums that their faces have gone back to the way they were before with forcibly snubbed noses and whiskers carved in their cheeks uh, and ears filed to points as they were themselves vixens once. Yep. Damn. Yep. I I think that she takes a moment, watches over them, and then the charm that she gave Teddy before, she has a couple more of those because we said those were used in funeral funeral rites. That's so good, dude. And so she, uh, she takes a couple of those and she places it on both of them. And you all leave their bodies there. Uh, when you climb up, there's a, a ladder, I imagine, that takes you up out of the well. And you make your way to the surface. And the job here ends up being easier than you expected. Because there is absolutely a full uh, regiment of soldiers here, of, of the lowest of the cogs. There's no people left here. There's there's no residents. There's no pickles. Um, there, yes, there's no there's none who are pickled here. None preserved. Um, it would seem that if there were any preserved from here, they were taken elsewhere to some greater gathering. Or cogged. Yep, or cogged. Mm. Um, instead, in the main street that leads out to the gate, there are rows on bended knee, heads bowed, of cogs at the ready. Just waiting in perfect lines all the way up to those front gates. And they seem to be almost dormant for now as you climb up out of the well. 
I think Erdo, she's toughing it out for the moment and still has a, is wearing a sword uh, through her through the very edge side of her gut. She's very much not climbing with that side of her body. And she kind of puffs out to the others. Get the gates open. Strike at the same time. Go. And she braces herself low, injured, badly, ready with arrow to take the heart of the first cog. Yeah, so I think you stand there leaning against the edge of the well, bracing yourself, uh, and you send your crew that's left to run and open the gates. Teddy, Teddy does do that, but upon seeing these rows of, like, perfectly aligned, perfectly obedient and ordered soldiers... She looks at them like you would have expected someone to have looked at the mediums. Yeah. yeah. She does do the order. She does do the order, but that is that is what is appealing to her about all of this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and your squad makes their way to, to the front, to the gates, and pull aside the, the sharp barricades that were constructed there, leaving it open. And as they run past these dormant cogs, they do not stir immediately. Uh, so you you pull aside the barricades and one of the Roishan pull out their bow and fire off the fiery arrow. Um, so then we're at the end of the mission now. I want to ask, what happens to these dormant cogs? Do you Do you engage them and eliminate them? Do you leave them here as they are? Do you attempt to disturb them? I've got a couple of ways this could flow. Teddy's going to want to study them. I'll say that she doesn't have rank here, but if she has the option to, she's going to want to study them. So you said that we, we the watch, yes. have successfully saved the preserved. We, like we've taken them out of, of, of the shadows. So, so before, yes, uh, in, in other locations. So you, you came here looking for people who were who are, you know, as the shadow refers to them, preserved pe- people who have survived and are not like direct members of the shadow's armies, but are people who are dominated by the shadow and under its thumb. Right. So that has been done before. Yes. Has that ever been done with a cog? Uh, I don't think a cog has ever been successfully captured before because they fight till they die. Right. They're not moving. I think we tie as many of them up as we can take back with us. Yeah. yeah. Teddy has an idea of what she wants to do with one of them, unless she, she's debating if it's better to try it now when no one else might see, or if it's better to wait until she can get one under a controlled circumstance. Let, then let me say that I think then the mission has ended, the village has been taken, and we're going to move out of mission into normal play. Yes. Um, as, as, as the debate occurs with what to do with these yes, dormant cogs. I'm going to take a little, like, I'm going to do some prodding questions here and there, but I'm mostly going to take a back seat, I think, to this initial scene here between y'all. I am very curious as to where you guys want to take this. (laughs) So if it's okay, um, if if everything's died down, I'll just briefly describe what Teddy's going to be doing. As I said, she wants to identify if there is a delineating because they are fairly samey, but if there are any remaining delineating features between this cog, she wants to try to pick out one that if it were to be activated or something to that effect would be the easiest to dispatch of. And 
she is eventually like, she's not going to go off and do this plan completely without consulting anyone else. But what she's currently doing is making sure that it is a viable plan to begin with before she announces what it's going to be. Yeah. So uh, in looking over the cogs, one thing I'll make clear here is that cogs are are not totally perfected product in the eyes of the shadow. Um, so cogs still retain a lot of their original features. I think the only thing that is in common between them now is their vitality and their their unity in action and movement, um, which is less clear now, uh, except for their exacting control and, and listening to and heeding their most recent orders. Yep. Um, so does does Teddy identify one, you know, a, a best option for yeah, there's definitely one that is of, of somewhat slighter build. You will know, though, that cogs are most fearsome not because of their absolute physical prowess, but because of the fact that they they do not seem to tire. They do not seem to relent. Yes. yes. A- any any cog is problematic, but a single one is not as menacing as the bunch. Got it. Okay. She's going to make a note of that. She's not going to move it, but she's going to... In fact, I think... Uh, <laughs> this, is what, this is perfect. She's going to take out like... a. Some type of, they don't have pens or whatever, but some sort of like maybe a piece of charcoal or something. And she's just going to mark that one. Just put an X on its forehead for later. <laughs> okay. Very, yeah. very like just, this is not, it wouldn't matter too much anyways. This is not a person to her anymore. This is, this is something she's going to use. So it's just, she's marking an object for later recall. Um, as you come closer to approaching one, you can see that all of their eyes are open, but they are all staring straight ahead. Even as you go to mark it, it does not flinch, does not move. You mark it and it stays still for now. Fascinating. Teddy smiles upon seeing this. I think Erdo, knowing Teddy's tendencies, <laughs> but also seeing the strangeness of the situation, she still has her spear pointed straight at the cog nearest the well. And she she kind of rasps out, what are you doing? Teddy is going to, uh, the first thing she's going to do since she's doing this, she's just going to hold up a finger, like, just a sec. Not in, like, a defiant way, just like a, I'm go- I am going to tell you, just give me a moment. Um, and then she's going to come back up, and she's going to try, if at all possible, to have this conversation with, I don't want to exclude the others, but just in her mind, it makes the most sense to try to have this with just Erdo for the time being. Yeah, for sure. Uh, then I, I think I want to frame this conversation. You've already marked this one, and Erdo uh, had, had her spear pointed at the closest one standing by the well. And you had gone and marked, I'm going to say probably there's one in that row that you thought looked suitable that you'd marked. So I think maybe then uh, you, in coming forward to answer Erdo's question, uh, she, you know, slips a little bit from the wall and you you begin to treat her as you have this conversation um, and hash out what's next. So that way we we tie this together. Yes. She's going... She would know, right? One of the things the mediums do is they control the soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- they are middle management. And she is going to lean in and she's going to show Erdo the second circlet that she's found. Um, so if our current intel on this is correct, they're using these to control and she gestures out to them. <sighs> these current ones appear to be dormant or disabled, uh, likely because, and she gestures down to the well we dispatched of their receivers. I've used this one before to communicate with the shadow. I 
don't know that I could use it in this context to immediately assume control of all of these, but perhaps if I put one, she gestures over to one that she's marked, one of the weaker ones, I could create a stronger acute link as a, as a proof of concept, if you will. I, I recognize the risk, but we're not going to get a chance to do this if we go back. Even, even Deanna's can't give us cover to do something like this. This is an opportunity that we have to take advantage of. We're not going to get another one. Erdo is still bleeding. Um, yeah. So I actually do have a move for that. Yeah. I have the mender move, so I probably would be using that here, I assume. I think it's time for that, yeah. Awesome. I'll read it off real quick since the audience probably won't have known as soon as it opens up. Um, so there's actually a move called Lick Your Wounds, which is what I think Erdo would have to be doing here if I wasn't here. But So Mender, it's one of the default ones the spider gets. When you heal another character's wounds, roll with cunning. If they're a PC, they don't have to roll Lick Their Wounds. On a hit, they recover harm. On a 10 plus, choose two. On a seven to nine, choose one. Uh, of note, if I do roll poorly here, if you spend one camaraderie with them, add plus two to their roll. I'm going to use that if it's necessary because I'm not anticipating. Whole, I have two. I don't anticipate using both of them just yet. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm going to roll. With, I'm going to roll with cunning. All right. Go for it. All right. I got a nine um, plus my cunning, which is a two. So that's an 11. So I don't even need to spend anything. Um, Excellent. Excellent. And so I get to choose um, two. So you do it quickly and cleanly. You don't need significant bed rest to recover. You gain camaraderie with them. One of you lowers. They're weary. Narratively, I think the camaraderie bit would be what she would lean into, but I don't think mechanically I'm going to need to use that. So I am not going to try to medicate him too much, but I, I think uh, I'm going to do it quickly and cleanly because I want Erdo to be up on her feet and able to help. Um mm-hmm. And I also am just going to say they don't need significant bed rest to recover. I think her main thing is she just wants to get Erdo in shape, in part because she knows for this next step of the plan, she needs Erdo at full health to potentially tackle her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so even with your 11, that's still restoring one healing, right? Um. Yes. Uh, okay. And so I just briefly, I like she is quick and clean about it. She mm-hmm. is not harder than she has to be, but she is just, you know, she's quick and clean, not necessarily painless in part. Again, it's, in some sense, that's almost more out of respect than anything else because she knows Erdo's strong enough to take like a quick job on this. Yeah, Erdo's used to Teddy's care where a recruit would be shocked at the lack of pain-damping poultice. It's, it's how Teddy works. Erdo knows this. Yes. Yeah. She's doing a good job. Yeah, so your your side wound has been bound up. Uh, you're, you're going up one level from being at down two harm uh, to just a one harm. Hurting rather than wounded. Yes. So yeah, you're in pain, but you're functional for sure. Patched up. Upon completing the stitch, I think that's when Teddy reaches the point in the conversation where it is now on Erdo to respond with what they think. Yeah. She just, she finishes the last stitch off and then she just looks at you expectantly as she finishes her statement off. <sighs> Erdo sighs in relief because... The worst of the pain for now is over, presuming no infection, which, knowing Teddy, there shouldn't be. And she rises from leaning against the well, still keeping an arrow pointed at this cog, and she whispers, hisses to Teddy, If this goes wrong, I can't protect you 
from how badly this could go. If it goes right, you won't have to. I've half a mind to stop you right now. This is what Teddy's going to do in response to that. She is now that Erdo is standing again, if maybe still a little bit uh, leaning. Um, certainly, Erdo is taller than Teddy. I haven't defined the exact height of Teddy, but she's the shortest of the squad, so by default, yes. Teddy is going to lean in close and in this sort of wordless dynamic that they have established, she is not immediately going to say anything, but she is going to press a finger. Not hard, so as to do anything to even attempt to knock Erdo back as if she could, but Mm -hmm. firmly on the center of Erdo's chest where the breastplate is, and she will look her dead in the eye, and they will both know exactly why she is doing that, because they will know how Teddy got Erdo that breastplate. And she will stare, and there will be a beat where she will just stare her down. I respect you. Because underneath all of that sentimentality, which I can recognize the utility of, you understand that difficult decisions need to be made. We are not going to get another chance at this. They are too... Even with Deanna's cover, the top brass is too weak and too sentimental to recognize the utility of the opportunity we have available to us now. As Teddy speaks, Erdo's expression shifts from troubled to clouded to angry. And... Despite herself, I think, she starts to be audible to perhaps Fee and Pasak, because she's getting mad. Speaking like that, for your words, I should drag you to a cell immediately. Yeah, you... I think you say that loud enough, um, that especially in this dead, still, quiet courtyard in the middle of this town here by the well um, with these absolutely silent column of soldiers with the barest of breaths here kneeling um, up by the front you've successfully dragged the barricades aside and I think you've upon seeing that uh, Erdo was being tended to and this column wasn't moving uh, unsure I think Drala uh, of the Roishan squad she had gone ahead to the quickly advancing units coming towards the village, having seen the signal. And she has them held there at the gate just inside. They're all just sort of standing marveling with their weapons at attention, waiting. Erdo is commander and is doing okay. Yep. Her her word is law here for what they do. And for Fee and Pasak, the two of you had just sort of let the Rashan group handle the rest of the platoon you brought with you. And upon hearing Erdo at the back, I think you see Drala's attention has been drawn by that as well. But I think the two of you closed the distance faster. There's one thing as we come into this scene, as yeah. as Pasak and Fee come into this scene, that I'd like to establish because 
Fee has definitely taken whatever moment she can to be looking over the faces of these cops. Yes. Looking for family members, anybody she recognizes. Just to make this hurt more, can we please make it so that the one that I marked does have some significance to her? Yes. I mean, I I think the one you've marked is Fum. Oh my god! (laughs) I I think Fum was always the the weaker of the siblings. Um, Oh my god. And and he is the youngest. Has sought power in the shadow. I don't think that Pasak even knows... I don't think Pasak has ever met any of, of Fee's brothers, including the one their brother married, just because he went off to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so it's lost on Pasak. But, but as... No, this is wonderful. As you're drawing to the back, absolutely take control of, of your character in this scene, Fee, but I imagine you're rushing to, to get closer to see what the hell's happening back here with, with Erdo and Teddy, but I think when you see Fum in the back row, oh, you I stop. Th- I stop. Yeah. In my tracks, and I'm just staring at him. And I'm, I'm as motionless as he is in that moment. Uh, I mean, Pasak, like, they were both walking towards Teddy and Erdo, and I mean, uh, Pasak sees fee stop and they stop and what is it you know someone and fee blinks and she considers for a minute this is your town right so maybe there's someone here you know are you okay I think she starts to walk toward Fum. Okay, uh, I want to turn then to Teddy. Teddy, I think I'd like you to roll Resist the Shadow. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've hit that moment where Teddy has received conflicting orders from her superior with what she believes is best. Yes. Um, that is plus cunning again, correct? Yes. Ooh, wait. All right. Let me double check that. I believe that's actually plus valor. Yeah. Yes, it? it is roll with valor to resist the shadow's influence. Oh, okay, good to know. Because let the shadow in is cunning, right? Resist yes. the shadow's valor. Yes. Oh, I'm bad at valor. All right. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> I got a minus one to valor. Thankfully, I have that move, which means this can only go so poorly for me. Yes, for sure. Oh, and I'm glad because that is a three minus one. That's a that's a two, baby. <laughs> Ooh, um, oh boy. So, w- which which move of yours are uh, helps that? Yes. It says dark reflections when you let the shadow in or resist the shadow. Treat a miss as a seven to nine or a seven to nine as a ten plus. So thankfully for everyone involved, I took that move. Um, So so you tell me, uh, David, just give me a prompt. Like what happens to Teddy? And you can even use the fact that I have that move as flavor, I assume will be helpful. So on a seven to nine, you do or say something you regret, marking jaded, weary or harm. I think this sounds like a jaded moment. Um, I, I would, I would recommend marking that one in this. I, I think if you're, if you're giving me a little narrative control here, I think what you do is exactly what Teddy wants to do right now. I, I think the chain of command is, is looser right now. You are out in the field. Erdo is injured and is making the wrong decision in oh, Teddy's mind. God. So what is the right decision? I think Teddy makes that one. This is what Teddy is going to do then. As Erdo's gaze hardens and she says that last line about, you know, I should have you locked up. 
she's just going to look back at Erdo and say, we both know you're not going to do that. And she's just going to calmly... We have, this is really going to be a fucking dick move. She's going to walk past <laughs> the other two. She doesn't know that this is Fee's brother. She might hesitate slightly or do something. She wouldn't care in the end. Um, and so what she's going to do, she's going to put that thing on... This is. Let me just walk through her logic here. Her logic is yeah. that if... The crown creates a connection, right? She's being very utilitarian about this. She's ignoring any of the, you know, the more kind of mystical aspects. She's treating it like a machine because that's what she does. She's like, if I put this crown on him and I put one on me, I can have a connection. The reason that she chose to quote unquote male one is because she assumes that that will inhibit its ability to become a medium if something goes bad. Mm, okay. Um, and so, I like she's, this. so she's, yeah, she's thinking through this very logically if, if maybe not the wisest, um, very intelligently, <laughs> not very wise. And she's going to just basically, again, this is not a person to her anymore. This is a thing that she's experimenting with. So she's very forceful in how she gets that crown on. Um, not, again, not wanting to break it or break, yeah, she's yeah. not worried about breaking the crown, but she's just, it, she might as well be putting it on a mannequin. And and then she puts the circlet. And when she puts the circlet, she just stares Erdo down with this look of like, you made me do this. I did not want to have to do it this way. Erdo, seeing Teddy's defiance, tries to rise and rush forward to smack the circlet off her head, but stumbles, um, putting too much weight into muscles now severed. Yeah. Erdo falls to her knees short of, of getting there. Fee, I'd like you to surrender to weariness. Oof. Yeah, because I feel like Fee could probably try to stop. Like, you're probably capable of yeah. it, but I think just the brusqueness of the movement, if this feels right, Emma, like, probably just takes you by surprise. Yeah, I, I think she I, I think she manages to say something like, what are you doing? But Teddy, like, Teddy doesn't even acknowledge you. You are not important to this operation. How do I roll Surrender to Weariness? So in Surrender to Weariness, uh, the goal here is to get a low number because right. uh, the a, a miss here is good for you. Uh, the higher the number, the, the worse the stakes. Yeah. It's the only this inverted is, one in the game. This is actually very much, if you ever play Mass, this is very similar to a core move in that, which is take a powerful blow. It's, it's a similar yeah. concept. Yeah. Got it. You are in this moment facing consequences from that weary you've gathered and so yeah you want to roll low rather than high um and you're going to be rolling with the bonus of the weary you've currently accumulated which at least is only two yeah (laughs) so plus two to this roll help me out bud okay that's pretty low uh seven yep seven total uh so on surrender to weariness on a seven to nine you have to erase all your camaraderie for the one person with whom you have the highest camaraderie. Um, and that is the uh, mechanical consequence of you doing something uh, to emotionally distance yourself from those you hold most dear. Um, so you narrate what happens, but you're going to lose com- you're going to lose all your camaraderie with whoever you have the highest score with currently. Okay, well, that's definitely Pasak. Yeah. Um, oof. So she she says, what are you doing? And Teddy does not respond. And then she moves forward more quickly, I think getting her spear. That's my brother. What are you doing? <laughs> I think this is... Um, that line does... Because that's novel information. Yeah. Um, that's, again... And she looks... She looks at Fee 
And for the slightest moment, there is a look of hesitation on her face. Just, just slightly. And, um, and I think actually that is when she looks back at Erdo with that, you made me do this face. Cause she is in her mind, the fact that she might be hurting Fee, like she needs to offload that onto someone else. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then she puts the crown on. Oh, and man. I think, um, I think she does give Fee a response and she looks at Fee apparently what everyone else here is too weak to do. Woohoo! I think you're letting the shadow in. I think that sounds like what you're trying uh, to do Yeah, here. that's what she wants to be doing here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, roll with cunning. To... Oh no, sorry, this is letting, roll with the number of jaded moves you've earned. So roll okay. plus does, zero. Does Fee need to do something to Pasak to negate that camaraderie? Does that, is that a part of it or no? So, so I, I think uh, in this instance, what has ruined your camaraderie with with Pasak is like once again not giving the full story until pressed. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, and I mean Pasak, I think is just stunned yeah. because like that's that's my brother in law, and I had no idea. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think. Five minutes ago, the plan. Oh, was- ooh, ooh. Sorry, I have one more thing I need to add here because of Pasak's backstory. Uh. Also, this is one more person who's close and related to you who has fallen to the shadow. Fuck! And five minutes ago, the plan was to kill them all. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. I, 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 this is good, and I really want to come back to what's going on here with, with the other three of you, and also with the how everyone else is going to be viewing this here in a moment. Uh, yeah. But first... Uh, and this, is, this is not a smart... Honestly, this is... The, Teddy is so, I guess I will elaborate just a little bit. Like, Teddy is so frustrated because she watched her, like, all of her people die. And she's seen everyone else cling to a lot of what she considers antiquated notions, which she knows is going to get more people killed. She doesn't have the emotional understanding of that to, to really be able to make smart decisions here. So in her mind, it's just like, she probably is currently, like, having a post-traumatic stress episode right now. And that is... Because she would be making, even she's not, you know, brash enough to make this stupid of a decision. And she's just, she's not acting rationally. I, I think the the power that is before her currently could change, and for her mind, like change the course of the war. Yeah. Because she, yeah, she knows that they're losing. Like. That's, that's too spicy to pass up. Fuck yeah. I, I think, I think in a way that's kind of intriguing that she's using the medium stuff because she hates them so much, but she wants I know. To <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that's an eight, and because of that that move that I have, I get a ten. I get like basically a a full success because of my move. Okay, cool. Uh, then that means uh, on a ten plus, uh, you uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Bust a move. Bust a you bust a move. Uh, you and Fum have a dance battle in perfect sync. Yes, <laughs> Teddy does not dance. So on a on a ten plus. Uh, the details are clear and distinct, and you learn something about your current situation. And I think in this case, I would, I would, oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. I think this is a combination of you learn something about your current situation and you, you do something about your current situation. Teddy, you, you've never done this before so unprepared. Like, this is rushed yes, a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And never under this level of emotional duress, I'll add. Yes. So I think your normal 
barriers that you hold up in your mind that you you keep on yourself as you engage with this influence, I think those are weakened or, or down somewhat. Uh, you're, you're being a little bit reckless here. Um, and yep. you are rewarded for that. You feel this connection to the cog to, to again, like even knowing that this is Fee's brother, I think that thought, as soon as you dismissed it and put the crown on and, and initiated this, that is now far from your mind. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, you've you've connected with this cog, uh, and you, you feel not only a connection to that cog, but, like, you feel the presence, like a weight in the palm of your hand of this entire column of troops. You, you feel their power as your own playthings. She loves this. Yeah, you feel that well up inside you. I think in this moment, you understand why the mediums did what they did. Yes. Like, and actually, can I add a little bit of flavor? I think yeah, what yeah, yeah. Pasak, what Pasak and Fee would hear is, I, I don't know if there's a change in her appearance or if her eyes get darker, but what they are going to hear her mutter under breath is, oh, fuck, yes. <laughs> uh... You say that I think you've instinctively closed your eyes since normally you you deny your senses a bit when trying to establish this connection. And I think everyone around you feels the air get a little colder, like the moisture's been sucked out of it. What was like a muggy late afternoon trending to evening is almost almost like a cold chill passes through. And the soldiers who had been kneeling, who who had been inactive, with precision, with exacting order, one leg, stand, next leg, stand, uh, bringing their heels to attention, clicking together, uh, drawing their blades and standing. And I think in reaction to this, immediately... The Roshan and the others who were gathered at the front, who started to more of like keeping a little bit of a berth around the column, had started to move their way back. Um, they immediately engage. Like these people who had been dormant, who they'd only been keeping at arm's length, um, they immediately engage them. And a few of the cogs, a few of these soldiers who you've you've called to attention, almost instantaneously fall just because they've they've. Yes. So I'll just briefly add, Chetty is not going to... Because it sounds like she has control. She's yeah. not stupid enough to sick all these people. Like, she knows that, that she still has enough of her sense left to probably avoid doing that, unless you want to tell me I don't. I do think what she will do is try to subdue them, though. Try to stop No, no. Them. I think you, you hear resonating, resounding in your head as this conflict begins. What are your orders? What are your orders? I think what she wants is for them to get into a primarily defensive formation. Um, what she This is what she wants to do in this case. She wants to show off several things here to basically, especially to Erdo, um, because Erdo doubted she can control this, and she wants to show that she can control them. So not because she really cares about the other squad mates primarily, although she recognizes the stupidity of trying to kill them, She's going to have them push in a defensive formation around her to prevent Mm -hmm. them from getting the crown. And she's going to make it clear that if they get attacked, they are to defend but not retaliate, even if that means them getting killed. Yeah. Which means I have given you Fee's brother (laughs) to do with what you want. Not to mention he is also wearing one of these crowns. 
Yep. Right. I want to describe the scene just a little bit, and then we'll pull in your reactions. Um, that that is the orders. Those don't happen, of course, instantaneously. I think several of the soldiers towards the front, several of the cogs, uh, fall immediately to watch troops because they saw them stand, and oh boy, they had those swords and spears ready. And like a couple of them, arrows just immediately to the heads, and they're they're gone. They're done. Like these are very durable troops, but when they're essentially sucker punched where they stand, they're gonna go down. But like as those first few of them fall, a few of them finally, after just a beat, raise their swords and start blocking blows, and they fall back with nary a sound between them. No, no verbal communication. They just instinctively know where each one is supposed to go next, and with incredible rigor, they fall back to a defensive, multi-layered like circle. Imagine like three tiers of soldiers there. I think they can't form a perimeter around just you. So I think they've like drawn back to the well, which is where you were closest to. Yeah. Um, and I think that then puts Fee, Pasak, and Erdo, because Erdo is still near kneeling just past the well, um, all within this defensive perimeter where, where Teddy oh, stands. Oh, yeah. Uh, how? What's going on in here, everybody? Can I make a point of order yes. uh so one of the complications we picked for the mission yes was uh erdo picking i suffered a deeply personal loss that's the I one must yeah. surrender to weariness after the mission oh i then i think it's time for erdo to surrender to weariness oh boy thankfully with zero weariness uh that is a nine okay uh and Suitably, highest camaraderie. It's actually a tie between Pasak and Teddy, but I feel like it's got. Yeah, the we know who this is with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I think what happens is, I would kind of like to invoke Mama Bear here. Tell me more. Uh, first, read off the move for the audience, and then tell me more. So, Mama Bear, when someone important to you feels threatened or is in danger, roll with valor. On a hit, you show up right there and then with or without explanation. On a 10+, plus, you take plus one ongoing for the scene. On a miss, the MC will tell you when you show up and you're not going to like it. Okay, cool. Cool, so, cool, cool. Erdo is physically there, yeah. right? Pasak and Fee are both... Definitely threatened and in danger. Mm-hmm. Fee is... Along with the entire command, like the yeah. entire watch detachment is now in combat with the entire detachment of cogs for the settlement. There are at least three times as many cogs as there are watch troops. Oh, good. Oh, so that's more like... I was thinking like 20 cogs, and this is more like 60. Yeah. I got an army, bitches. So, so basically, overcoming your current harm uh, and the shock of the moment. Um, and arranging Fee and Pasak to be safe as much as possible in the center of a cog platoon. Yes. Okay. Um, I would like you to roll Mama Bear. Yeah, that's right. a roll with Valor, I believe, right? It is. I also kind of have a thought. Oh? But, but no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get this moment, and I, I'm definitely... We're, we are moving in micro time right now as yeah. we... Oh, yes. Pleasantly. Yeah. That was an 11. Woo! Ah, <laughs> Mama Bear. Like, I'm happy narratively, but I'm also frustrated. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get you. Fair enough. Um, 
Describe for me then how how Erdo injects herself into this situation. So the situation evolving in mere seconds right around her as a stable situation turns to chaos, her face contorts into this angry near caricature of itself as she becomes enraged by this recklessness. And for a moment, she forgets all pain, drops Arrow to the ground so as to have both hands ready, in a typical Erdo way, claps her hands, one heavy and armored, the other now not, on Pasak and Fee's shoulders, claps them against each other back to back, implying just like, take care of each other. And I think she isn't thinking right now, so I think she takes two lunging steps grabs Teddy uh, ideally by the throat with her still gauntleted hand and with the other draws out the triangular ritual dagger that's actually for loosing Arrow on accident but still puts it to her throat and says end this or I end you hello It's David here to interrupt this banger of an episode with a quick break. First off, a disclaimer. Here in just a moment, I will say that this is the finale episode. Recording David was wrong. This is only the climax. We have a delicious episode of Denouement after this for you to enjoy, so ignore me. But if you'd rather not ignore me, consider following our show on Twitter at TOTA Podcast. That's T-O-T-A Podcast. Or on the Cast Junkie Discord server. There we share clips and comments and little sneak previews. And pretty soon we'll be taking questions there for our post-apocalypse of this arc. So if you want to be ready and get in on that fun, now's the time. But if some TOTA fun is what you're seeking, you're actually best off joining up on our Patreon. We've got bloopers reels for every episode of our arc so far, as well as early access content available. Check out our social and Patreon links in the show notes below. For now, I'll let you get back to it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I'll see you for the finale on December 1st. So long. Um, And before we get to how that plays out, um, Pasak... <laughs> what's up oh how's man how's it going how's it hanging yeah uh, <laughs> I'm loving this finale episode it's growing great so far <laughs> I'm having a blast I love it Woo! oh it's amazing uh-huh. I'm trying to think I, I really want to find a way to use animal magnetism here which is when you pour on the charm and provoke someone, um, basically treat them as a seven to nine or et cetera. Um, this, this, oh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think cause, cause, cause what I, what I was thinking in my head was like, what can Pasak provoke Teddy to do in this situation? Um, and please don't like, 
please don't think like you utilitarian like because Pasak hates Teddy. This is the vul- most vulnerable Teddy has been probably despite how strong they are currently. <laughs> Fair. Um, but but I mean, but the other thing is, is that like Pasak doesn't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like uh, Teddy put on the circlet. And now all of the people, all the cogs, including <laughs> their brother-in-law, uh, are in some sort of formation. Um, and I'll, I will, like, just to paint the scene a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all of their backs are to you. Like, they are, at this moment, unconcerned with you. Um, they are arranged in, like, a three-ring a three circle, uh, pretty closely packed together, um, just putting themselves between the four of you and the rest of the watch. Can I throw something in? Ooh, I have an idea. Okay. Sorry. Well, okay, let me let me just you mm. say your idea and then we'll <laughs> Yeah. Uh I don't know because like cuz honestly once I've said this I don't really think it can be changed. Okay. Uh so tell me your idea first. Okay. I have I have one thing because I know what Fee is doing in this circumstance. Erdo has put them back to back Fee and Pasak back to back to protect each other. Fee cares very much about Pasak, but in an extension of the surrendering to weariness and, you know, burning the camaraderie with with them, immediately Fee is going over to Fum to try to get the circlet off of his head. Okay, I think I know what Pasak does. I think Pasak, seeing all of this happening, (laughs) boy, a lot is happening. Uh, I think that as Fee tries to walk away from their back, I think that Pasak, in a perhaps rare moment of not selflessness, but just like they asked for space. They recognize that, you know, their brother might be dead, but Fee's brother, who fucking knows? Maybe he can be saved. I think we'll reach back and like, grab Fee's hand and just like squeeze it tight in support and then turn to Teddy who is being held by the throat <laughs> with a dagger to the throat too um, and say hey you power hungry bitch how about you use some of that control to find a shred of humanity and see if you can set them free oh that's good that's fucking good thank you that was very that's good that's excellent good I love, I love that <laughs> Nice job. No. <laughs> oh, I deserved that, and I love that. Um, Thank you. So, yeah. Uh, is that a role that you have to do? Right, you said that was a role for something. Right, yeah. Right? Well, okay, so so my I'm attempting to to uh, use, you know, provoke someone. Yeah, um, uh, then yeah, I'd like you to... Uh, that, sounds, that sounds like a hell of a provoke. <laughs> All righty. Okay, yeah, so it's a seven plus two, so that makes it a nine. Hey. What? <laughs> Need a hand? Spend one camaraderie. Oh shit! Oh, oh shit! shit. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I, no, I really love that. I please do that. Please do that. Uh, yeah. So, need a hand? You can spend a camaraderie. Uh, I spend a camaraderie. To uh, so boop, 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 ask someone you have camaraderie with to lend you aid or cut you some slack. In this case, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The I, and again, like I don't even think you need to even ask this. I think we can just invoke this move. Oh, yeah. I, I have the narrative in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Erdo hears this and eyes cold, her grip tightens. Yeah. 
I'll, um, I'll erase one camaraderie with Erdo. Thankfully, I have two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and increase your roll by plus one. So that brings you from a nine to a ten, which yep. is a ten sure. plus a baby, yes. uh, which a ten plus on a provoke someone. They mark experience uh, if they give you the reaction you want. Otherwise, they mark weary if they don't. Um, and also, the bonus from animal magnetism as my lioness move yes. is that when doing so with a player character and they give you the reaction you want, they choose two instead. Gain camaraderie with you, mark experience, and remove a point of weary. So there's an extra carrot for you here for doing what yeah, I'm asking. No, I'm, I'm going to go along. I have a very good narrative <laughs> idea for this. Um. I'll figure out what I want to pick after this because that's really not the narrative is more important than right. some small mechanical bonuses at the end. Uh, True. This is Teddy. Fee, you look pretty bad, don't you? This has been a pretty bad. Oh, yeah. For you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Teddy, like, will look at. Th- these are the emotions that she gives to each of you in order. Um, she's going to look at Erdo when you say that and look. Honestly, betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because she thought you were someone who would make the hard decisions, and she doesn't think you've done that currently. Um, and then she's going to look angry at Pisak, and then her gaze is going to land on Fee. There is a just look on her face for like probably again. It's it's similar to the hesitation that she gave earlier before putting the circlet on, and. It's going to look at fun with the circlet with likely an expressionless, cold, dead look. Absolutely. Which is one she's probably used to seeing in whatever equivalent they have of mirrors in this universe. Um, And she is going to do something which I think Erdo doesn't expect, which is she's going to use her free hand and she's going to grab Erdo's arm not to get the knife away. She's going to push it closer to her throat, her own throat. And she's going to look at Erdo and say, give me as much time as you can and then do whatever you have to. And because she is, she's going along with this. She is going to try right. to use this for some sort of good. Hearing that, Erdo will shout to the surrounding squads, watch, fall to the walls to get space. Okay. And then I think what moving her hand now that she's held, you know, Erdo gets the idea because they have this unspoken communication. This is, what she's mm-hmm. basically trying to communicate is I know that you normally tackle me and this time I need you to give me as long as you can and then to do something far worse than tackle me if you have to. I almost picture that, that Erdo's lifted her off the ground. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, one, one thing she's going to do is mentally she's actually going to make one of the uh, soldiers come down and work as a footstool for her for the moment. Um, just to give her some support. She's just going to kind of kick her, her feet under it. Um, a and just prick you, of blood rolls down your throat <laughs> from that. She looks at you with like, just like, this actually is necessary, so please just let me... Like, she doesn't say that, but that is what the expression says. <laughs> the, there's and then so she's, much tension in this millisecond. Oh, yeah. yeah, and she's going to take the circlet and just... She knows that, right, the more that she's worn it, the tighter it gets, right? Oh, yeah, and like, at, the longer you're wearing it, you you feel it really biting into your skin now. So she's, she's, she's very scientific about this. She's going to try to cram it in harder into her skull, assuming that that will give her more control over it. Oh, fuck. Uh... Uh, please roll, let the shadow in. Please now I'm going to roll, let the, the shadow, shadow in. <laughs> so that's cunning again? Uh, nope, that is a plus uh, your jaded moves, which is oh, zero. Right. Doesn't matter, it's an 11, bitches. Oh. 
Also, sorry if folks don't like the word bitches. I use it a lot. I know. No, you're good. No, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> We're all you're bitches here. Company. I did call you a bitch. Well, Pasak called Teddy a bitch. You know what? Yes. That's very fair. Yes. We're equal opportunity <laughs> bitches over here. Absolutely. <laughs> Drama between characters, not players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, I need the yeah. shadow master over here. Yeah. Because in her mind, like, she did this because she, all Teddy has at this point is winning this thing. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why she hasn't picked the side she thinks has, in fact, maybe she probably was considering it before this mission. And now that things are sliding to turn in her head, that's the reason she's sticking with the side. And also she's seen what happens to women in the shadow and just really doesn't want a part of that. Yeah. yeah. She hates mediums. Yep. And this is the like, seeing Fee be so broken up about this it you know this is not the ice queen's walls coming down completely this is just a fine like might as well try to get something useful out of this um and that's what she's telling herself inside that is not 100% what she's feeling um (laughs) and so yeah so uh, you you let me fill in whatever you need me to fill in but it's you you go david yeah no we're about to paint this So, Teddy, you press it tighter to your skin and your temples uh, and around your forehead, it begins to bleed as it really bites into your skin. And you feel that connection to the cogs intensify. They're no longer just pawns sitting in your hand that you feel this tight control of. They are much like you've grown to feel about the prosthetic on your right hand. Mm-hmm. It's it's not part of you, but it's an extension of you. And in this moment, as you reach out deeper into this connection, all of these cogs here are just another extension of you. You you feel that like a third of them are gone now. Um, that that in this conflict with the watch, they have thinned the ranks of your of your pawns, of your cogs. But you feel your possession tighten even finer around those that remain. What are your orders? Mm. Teddy is going to do something which is probably a little uncharacteristic of her, but she thinks that it's probably the best way to counter it. And I think Erdo, it's almost like hearing one half of a phone conversation. Erdo doesn't hear the other half. She just hears Teddy's response. And through bared teeth with the circlet digging into her skull and Erdo's knife digging into her throat. She's going to she's going to say think for your fucking selves. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Ooh, I love that. Uh, and you give this order and a a shiver goes through the ranks of the cogs. They have been in in brute unison this whole time. Every time they fall back to the same core position, their movements all tied together. And you see a ripple through the ranks of unevenness um, <laughs> as this command goes out. And a few of them towards the front who have just like blocked a blow and like are swinging their sword down to like disarm just sort of stop. And then blinking, take a few steps backwards. I think a few of them, in leaving that vulnerability, are killed. Just because this is a melee and that happens. Yeah. Most of the watch at this point have fallen back, uh, per Erdo's orders. 
and the rest of them, their their arms lower to their sides, and they blink their eyes very confused. And many of them start dropping their weapons. You hear them clatter to the ground with a more, more of a dull thud than a clatter. I imagine it's just wet, packed earth. I love the idea of like several of them like dropping their arms to their sides, still holding their sword and letting go, and the blades just stick up in the earth. <laughs> and most critically in this, as you issue this order, Teddy, Fee, you and Pasak, whose attention had, had been there most of this time. Obviously, Pasak, you've just <laughs> uh, been talking to to Teddy, but I think, Fee, your eyes never really left your brother, Fum. Yeah. And Fum, you see his hands don't even, like, fall to his side to drop his weapons. He just drops them, and his hands go immediately to his head, and he pulls off the crown, which for him had never constricted. Teddy winces a little bit almost at that, just the connection between yeah. them, I think. So, yeah, no, uh, instantaneously for you, Teddy, your connection to this column of troops, it was it's like losing your hand all over again. Um, Oof, that hurts. You, you feel the severing of that bond. It's like a, I think it's like a phantom limb pain almost in yes. your arm. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, you feel like they're still there, but they're not anymore. Yeah. Teddy is going to look at Erdo, and you know how I described her looking like, you know, denied slash blue balled earlier. She's going to look, I hate to say post-orgasmic, but it is kind of like just sort of sweating <laughs> and like tired. And she's going to look at Erdo and say, I told you I could do it. Erdo nods slowly, tugs her off her cog stool. I, I think that guy's tried to get up at this point. She's dangling <laughs> her feet again. Yeah, she's destabilized as this guy tries coming to his feet. Uh, that pro- which probably, like, as that happens, like, she says that line and then goes like, she sort of slips back into Erdo's throat because her stool's gone. Yeah. Um, POV, you're the guy Teddy used as a footstool. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Statistically speaking, at least one of those cocks was going to be into that. (laughs) True. Just Um, just for flavor, this one was. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's going to have some really confused feelings after this, like, (laughs) oh, God. Furniture play for the win. Erdo sets Teddy down as gently as you can while you're holding someone above the ground by their neck and slowly drops her hand with the dagger to her side. Her gauntleted hand shifts from holding Teddy's throat to clamping down on Teddy's shoulder. Uh, And yeah, Teddy, you are lowered to the ground uh, on your own two feet again. Um, I want to pull away from that part of the scene to Fee and Pasak because Fee... As soon as he pulls that crown off, Fum turns to look at you, some of the pallor restored to his skin, and he looks at you a bit scared, and his eyes are absolutely wet as tears are starting to stream down his face. Hers are too. She's not openly sobbing yet, but the tears are definitely streaming. She starts to walk that way, but she doesn't let go of Pasak's hand. Yeah, Pasak will will turn around and and 
I mean, probably they feel really sheepish right now because they've never actually met their brother-in-law. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> and also I think they're in disbelief that that actually worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Same. <laughs> but I mean, when the narrative's there. Uh-huh. He will look fun over, like, looking for for wounds, for, like, how how he is if he's you know i imagine he looks a little bit malnourished more than a little bit malnourished yeah as the grip has been loosened uh you and like his pallor returns you see that his cheekbones are fairly gaunt and his arms are much scrawnier even than they appeared as a cog yeah does he fall over from the weight of the armor i wonder if several do i, I imagine a few of them after dropping their weapons like Cult, like just fall to their knees. Um, I feel like since he was very specifically chosen, Teddy chose him because he looked the weakest. Mm-hmm. E- even if he doesn't necessarily fall over immediately, maybe he kind of like kneels I, or something. I imagine he like maybe even goes to take a step. I'm trying to decide if it's a step forward or a step back. I think it's a step back. He. I think more than anything, he he looks guilty, mm. um, mm-hmm. and he he takes a step back, but like that catches him off balance. He he hasn't been in such control of himself for probably nearly a year. He's gonna rush forward to balance him. Yeah, I think I think his foot that he stepped backwards with catches in the mud, and you you rush forward and lend him your shoulder. And with with tears in his eyes, you came back. You're alive. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um. She does not turn toward Teddy and instead rubs off the charcoal of the axe that Teddy made on his face. That's fucking good. And she says, Fum, this is Pasak. Pasak, this is Fum. Hello. I suppose Loma might have mentioned me. I'm his sibling. He, at the mention of of Loma and your connection, those tears are redoubled, and he is like practically gasping for breath. Uh, he starts sobbing, and his arm that is not being supported by by Fee, I think he he reaches out to throw around you, Pasak. Oh, um, and he he just is sobbing into your shoulder. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, Pasak, that definitely is going to get Pasak to be crying, too. Absolutely. We're just a big ball of tears over here. <laughs> yeah. Everybody crying and sobbing. In the background, Erdo waves for the watch to render aid to the now freed cogs. Yeah, everyone is so confused. I think <laughs> um, I think I want to yeah. I, w- I want to pull I want to go just to high level for a moment. Um, pulling away from from the direct action in the scene, I think. Erdo, you take control of the situation uh, and hard as it is to believe, explain 
most, if not all, of the circumstances to the other wardens here from the watch. As part of this presentation, Erdo concludes with, Teddy will be court-martialed. The commander's will will be final. Uh, and attention is directed at Teddy at this time. And Teddy, you feel that crown, that, that circlet binding a bit tighter to your head. It's still been left on there. I'm assuming that Teddy goes to take it off. Certainly going to try to. Yeah, uh, it requires some effort and takes some skin with it. Ouch. As, as you're pressing it up to get it off of your head. You've felt the connection going down to the cogs from you. Yes. And you felt the connection before reaching out when you've let the shadow in, moving laterally in the structure, trying to discover things about the shadow. Yeah. This is the first time you've ever felt the the overbearing presence of a connection down to you. Yeah. The does it literally feel like it's coming from above? I think it feels like you're suddenly under the foot of some incredible weight. Mm. You're struggling mightily against the almost intensifying weight of it, trying to take it off. And you hear a voice. It is not quiet. It is overwhelmingly loud, but you aren't hearing it through your ears. It's just resonating in your skull. Teddy will pause and look around at all of the former cogs around her who moments ago were trapped under the shadow's thrall, and her eyes will narrow a little bit and a slight smile of satisfaction will creep across her face. So has yours. <laughs> as you pop it off. God, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Teddy. Thank you, Teddy, for facing the oh, shadow you know. fearlessly. Yes. <laughs> My fucking goodness. And she feels the new, probably, scar across her forehead, and she goes, Ugh, well, at least it didn't try to make me beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 